welcome to a walk with me, Ray. Today I'm thinking about childbirth and fighting. There is something fundamental about these things, I think, to mammals at large, if not all creatures. And in humans, this seems to be mostly, but not entirely, divided by sex. There is something fundamental about childbirth to a woman. And there is something fundamental about fighting to most men. You can see how the preferences are revealed with things in the digital realm because with games like computer games for instance the preferences are not as tied or you would think they're not as tied to the physical capacity of the body. So why was the early years of gaming in terms of conflict-based games dominated by males? And why did the girls of that time and women prefer games that say involved um, farming like uh, Harvest Moon and relationships or, or you know something like The Sims which is a, a bit of a life simulator and I do think that does have to do with some sort of difference in terms of what we are best suited to. I was reading on Twitter about a uh, a bit of a meditation expert, I would call her an expert on spirituality and, and meditation in general, um, about how after she had her baby, which was very recently, all the entire point of meditation seems lost. Um, like the the prioritization, I think, that comes from having a child makes everything clear. So you don't need to impose clarity on yourself with meditation. This is, in some sense, what she was born to do. The idea of detachment itself becomes perhaps um, kind of filthy. Um, those are not her words. Those are my impression of what it may feel like. Probably wrong. Um, but the, the very idea of detaching from your child, I'm sure, is uh, horrible to a mother. Um, and if you're trying to detach from everything in the way that it is commonly understood um, in regards to meditation, then maybe... Uh, meditation is kind of silly for a mom. However, 
I actually think that there's something similar for men in fighting. When you're in a fight, things are very clear. You know, you... (laughs) There's only really one goal, and that is to impose your will on whoever you're fighting, and to stop them from imposing their will on yours. This gets caught up in a lot of complication, but at the end of the day, I think, for a dude, there's nothing more clear than when you're being punched. You know what to do. You know what your goals are. Um, When I was in the military, I spent a lot of time on watch. And when you're on watch, you're just standing there, walking around maybe, maybe lying down from time to time in the prone position, not sleeping, but, you know, watching. Of course, I would sleep sometimes. Uh, If anyone ever found out you were sleeping, you'd be in trouble, of course. Um, Obviously, in a combat environment, you never want to do that. (laughs) Um, But the point is, you're spending a lot of time seemingly doing nothing, and I actually think that it was very similar to meditation and indirectly set me on my path toward meditation. Um, But why do you need to meditate if you're in a setting where you have a clear job to do, and that job looks like a lot of doing nothing, you know, in the same way that with monks, they're trying to do nothing when they're sitting, um, to build that discipline. Here, you have a sort of discipline, and that's very clear, you're watching for the enemy watching for changes in the environment that will change the battle space and that and that makes processes that look very similar to meditation ultimately I'd call meditation attention control various forms of playing with attention and attention control um, that makes that part very easy you have one goal Look out for the enemy, look out for changes in the environment that will change where you are in relation to the enemy and where the enemy is in relation to you. This is, I think, something that comes more naturally um, to males. You can expend that energy just looking, just watching, just waiting, but it's not for some higher spiritual purpose necessarily. It is for the purpose of knowing when to ambush your enemy, when to attack, when not to get ambushed, when not to be attacked. And so I think there's a similarity there with childbirth where everything becomes really clear um, where now you know what your world is about it is about this child about this son about this daughter about their survival um, so here's the thing about detachment that I think 
pure meditators, what I call pure meditators, people who go at meditation for the sake of spiritual enlightenment and so on in a Western context, I think they actually misunderstand what is meant by detachment. There is this feeling, and I, and I had this actually with Stoicism when I was younger, um, that detachment meant that you are no longer caring necessarily about the thing. That it's not just the outcomes that you don't care about, that you don't care about what happens. But I don't think that's true. Um, definitely from the perspective of fighting, when you're up against someone, it's not that you don't care what's happening to your foot or your toe. You care very deeply what's happening to your foot or your toe or your wrist, your uh, pectoral muscle, um, when someone is choking you. It's just that you have a priority, and that priority means that you are keeping everything in its place. If this sounds familiar, it should because it's from Plato. <laughs> justice, right? We think of justice now as some sort of punitive thing, like a punishment, like setting things right with the world. But I think the the original, or at least the oldest, uh, well-respected version of justice is is balance. It's this unity among all the parts in a whole. And in order to have that unity, you can't be attached to any single part. If I was too attached to what happened to my ankle, I might leave my neck open. If I'm too attached to what is happening to my neck, I might leave my underhooks open. The underhook is the area underneath your arms, your armpits, and if someone gets that area, it's a lot easier to control you. Um, so what I do a lot of times when I'm grappling is I actually give up my neck, um, knowing that the focus, the fixation on getting my neck, on choking me, will make my opponent ignore what I'm doing with that space underneath my uh, armpits, which usually I'm going to clear their hands from that area, their arms, and that gives me freedom of movement. But I can't do that if I'm overly attached to what's happening to my neck. Um, I couldn't do that if I was overly attached to what's happening to my ankle. Uh, similarly, in the military, in a unit, if you are overly attached to any of your men or any of the people in your unit, you might favor them for certain things and not favor them for other things in such a way that the rest of the people in your unit do not believe you care about them. And a fundamental way to get people focused on a purpose, uh, even though even a, a clear purpose like the military has in terms of, of you know, it's just fighting the other person. That's, that's as clear as it gets. Um, you need to make sure that your entire unit is cared for. And the only way you do that is by detaching from any single specific person so that the whole is favored over the parts. And I think this is sort of well known explicitly, but like many things that are explicitly known, it is 
often lost in feeling, right? The, the distance between when I begin to think a thought symbolically, like uh, an example is, is believing in um, hard determinism, that there is no free will as such, and, and feeling it right, in my gut. That distance is, is sometimes years, decades, uh, months, and so on. So, I feel like people have not incorporated the fact that detachment detachment does not mean not caring. It means caring deeply about everything instead of caring specifically about one thing. And that's really clear in, in fighting. Um, I'm guessing that when you are a mother, it is specifically about a few things, your children. Um, and that intensity is only balanced by the fact that possibly women, to begin with, care about everything at once, I think, or find it easier to care about everything at once than, than men do, uh, which is why you get a lot of men who have specific hobbies or um, have specialties in, in very... Uh, microscopic fields, right? Math, math being the classic example. If you're focused on math for all your life, um, you're generally not paying attention to all the people around you. Not to say that there aren't math mathematicians who do that, and I'm sure some of the best mathematicians do, and so on, but there's still a sort of narrowed selective attention that I think comes more easily to males. So, Perhaps what having a child does is gives mothers that extra boost of selective attention, but it is centered on having a child. And, and I'm sure that the same goes for men um, when they have a child, though perhaps not, not as strongly. Um, ultimately... With both those things, there is a relationship to the world that is brought to a razor-sharp focus that I think would not be there without them. That without childbirth or fighting, you may need to put a lot of effort to build a strong, purposeful relationship with the world. And in order to do that, you might go to all these meditation classes and uh, make everything about meditation and so on. But because everything is sort of interdependent, that kind of focus can come from focusing on anything, though that anything might be specific to each specific person. Um, so that for you, you might focus on cars, and if you focus on cars enough, um, you can see the entire world through the frame, through the lens, through the map of cars. Um, I think childbirth and fighting are very rich spaces for this. Being, being a mother or being a fighter exposes you to more of the environment, perhaps, through that specific relationship you have, either with being a mother or being a fighter, 
um, to the rest of the environment and gives you that focus um, that you might need a monastery or, you know, five retreats a year in order to get if you did not have that that specific relationship with either being a mom or being a fighter. When I look at status, the, the status of people with themselves and the rest of the world, it does also seem like historically and in most cultures there is something other about being a woman who does not have children um, or being a man who does not fight. Um, you know, from the latter we get our priests and from the former we get our witches, right? Um, which are valuable parts of society but othered nonetheless, you know, in the same way that a goalkeeper in a soccer team is kind of other from all the other teams, teammates in, in the soccer team. He's kind of out there at, at his goalpost, protecting the net, alone. Or seemingly alone. Though, of course, he's a key part of the team. So similarly, I think not having children as a woman and not fighting as a man produces both those things. Though I have a suspicion that those groups kind of strongly shaped, especially especially the men who did not fight, strongly shaped the world that we have today. Um, I would say we now have a overproduction of priests and witches. Uh, not over in that they should not be producing at that level. It's just that with this many priests and witches, this many motherless, sorry, this many childless women, and this many men who don't fight, you have a culture that might not be able to take the next big shock as well um, as one that might have more of, of those things. <laughs>